0: Ephesians 4:31 5 through 5 through 2 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice Be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you, Kristen. And uh, yeah, what a great time, Kristen and uh, Emily, for sharing that good word, um, all-of-life interview with us. And uh, so my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and it's great to uh, see y'all here this morning and good to be together. If we, uh, any people here involved in education or we have kids going to public school, this kind of week is kind of like big time week, you know? We're going back, and uh, so yeah, how many of us here are kind of in that note? We're kind of getting prepped to. Kids going back to school, or again, educators. All right, yeah, we got some, we got some r- roof raising going on. So, um, yeah, so it's just good to be here. I know some of us are out of town, different things, you know, trying to squeeze in summer uh, before it ends. So, um, I'm glad we could be together. Just a heads up, if if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I want to uh, let you know I have a speech impediment. It kind of comes in and out as 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 I go. And just want to give you all a, a heads up. I actually think it got worse. We were on Mount Lemmon camping in like, you know, the great storm of uh, 2018. Uh, thunder and lightning everywhere. And I think that, that made, it, made it worse. Uh, but anyway, um, let's get into our time together here pretty quickly. We're in Ephesians 4, uh, the end of Ephesians 4 and chapter 5. So uh, we we'll keep working our way through Ephesians. That's something we love to do here at, at this church is just walk through uh, the scriptures together. So go ahead and turn with me there to Ephesians 4, verse Verse thirty-one, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, uh, hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you one, and we want to make sure you have that in your hands. Y en español si quiere la biblia y no tiene, por favor levantó su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 4 y 5. And again, if you don't have a Bible that, that you can uh, call your own, or you know, please keep this. this is our gift to you. Okay, we want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word to follow along with and uh, underline stuff and all that. So, with that, let me pray for us as we as we get into our time together. Lord, thank you for your Word. Thank you that you tell us the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. Even that we know not only the grass and the flowers, but our bodies break and fade, and um, Lord, there there is there is different highs and lows in our lives, and different things, different circumstances and contexts we find ourselves in, and yet Your Word, Lord, is an anchor, is a foundation upon which You have uh, called us, Lord, to have our lives built, and so we pray that the good news of Jesus would 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 penetrate our hearts, Lord, this space would be broken into through your spirit, and that we would be formed and shaped and informed and transformed, Lord, by the renewing of our minds, individually and as a community, as your people, in Jesus' name, amen. So we get into our time together here, as you just read, as we kind of wrap up chapter four and move into chapter five, it's still kind of an outflowing of what we read in in, in in chapter four, verses twenty-two through twenty-four, which was put off the old and put on the new. And this this idea, this foundational idea that if you put your faith in Jesus, you're 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 new. And so it's not just something that you kind of transplant or insert into your mind and then just kind of leave there and then move on with life, but this this ongoing practical reality of what that looks like and what it looks like to day by day, moment by moment, uh, respond to the good news of Jesus and to be empowered with his spirit and to live this out. And so there's been all kinds of specific things we've walked through, right? Like, you know, anger and 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 lies and um, what it, and 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 what it looks like to again put on the new as a follower of Jesus, and so that's where we're at this morning. And in a way, this whole section of scripture, this sermon, verses thirty-one through chapter five, verse two, you could kind of summarize in a phrase. Perhaps many of us know pretty well that is, be kind, right? And, How many of you know that? Know that's one of the things you would maybe associate with Tucson. In fact, we have this image here. You can see from one of the many murals around town. And um, just to be kind of real here together, right, we can kind of share where we're at. I had like a little object lesson. I had our Ben's Bells this morning to bring in here and... um, it was probably a good idea that if I had to forget one of two things, either my Bible or the Ben's bells, that I would leave the Ben's bells. Um, but, but, I mean, I, they were laying next to each other, and I grabbed one and not the other. But we have one. We have one on our, on our front door. Um, how many of you here, just how many of you have a Ben's bells in your home? or somewhere. Okay, yeah, there's a couple hands, not that many. So how many of you don't know what this is? All right, not because we're all going to laugh at you and point at you, but just want to have an idea. Hold your hand up high. Don't be shy. You don't know what this is. Okay, so a good number. So let me explain a bit of this, because again, if you see this on the back of a car, on a bumper sticker, on a shirt, on a mural, it's all over. In fact, there are, I think I counted right two, at least two of these right here at this school at Safford. They're um, over here on the south kind of wall, there's one, and there's a couple spots where you see, um, again, this message, be kind. If you're like me, um, you, maybe you see this, you don't know the backstory, and you you get mad when you see that. You're like, I don't want to be kind right now. Like, you're driving 10 miles under the speed limit, putting on your makeup, or dry, weaving and out, texting, or whatever, um, and you're telling me to be kind. Like, I don't want to be. I don't have to be. And so, if that's you, like me, like, now you're going to maybe feel a bit ashamed when you find out what this is all about. Um, so, there you go. You're welcome. No, it's... So, be kind is... Um, in, is is a phrase and an idea that in two thousand and three, um, a woman founded um, this this uh, organization because she uh, tragically lost her son. Ben, his name is Ben, and as she was walking through um, the first kind of phases of, of grief together, and her and her family were really walking through how to kind of make some sense and understand this, they, they came up with this idea, one, to honor their son and to remember um, him and his, and his character, and then also to, to kind of spread um, what he really emulated throughout Tucson as this reminder of kindness, and so, this way to kind of again honor him and remember him and bring um, or experience some semblance of, of of good through this terrible tragedy, they began this um, this idea. And in many ways, it's not just an idea; it's a movement of 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 spreading kindness. And so what they do is, is um, you, can, you can be a part of it. You can help actually create these bells, Ben's bells. If you're looking for a creative date night or a group of friends want to go and do something, you can actually sign up and go and be a part of making these bells. And, and you can you know paint or use clay and all this stuff. And it says no expertise need needed. And it's just an incredible idea. It's even spread into Phoenix, um, which is crazy. They need a lot of kindness, right? And, um, and, and so, We, um, yeah, Tucson has a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, and I probably more than most. Um, But um, we actually found our Ben's Bells, one of my daughters found it in, in Phoenix. And connected to this idea of what we even just walked through with the All of Life interview is this idea of God's grace and his character and his image being reflected through all people and in all parts of society. And so I think Ben's Bells is an incredible example of that. Right? Kindness is incredibly powerful. Right? It's, it's, an, it's an image. It's an idea. It's an exhortation even here in the scriptures this morning when we look at um, verse 32. Be kind to one another. Right? So that message is directly in line with scripture, whether the creators of it or they even had this in mind. I don't know that they had Ephesians 4.32 like, in mind when they created it. But even if not, whether it is or not, it's, it's a reflection of God and his mission and his call for his people. And yet, like most things, if we just leave it there, kind of in a vacuum and we engage it, it can lead to a great deal of frustration. As we think, as we try to, you know, strong arm ourselves into kindness, right? As we, we plaster a message out there to kids, and we tell them, "Hey, be kind." You know, we kind of wag our finger and just say, "Hey, just just do it. Just go. Just be kind." You know, and, and we can be frustrated and can struggle. And so, what, where we're entering into this is the assumption in God's word, and specifically throughout Ephesians, is that is the in and of ourselves this charge, this 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 call to kindness is not something we can just muster up. Okay, as we, if you were here from the very beginning of our service, we walk through a a flow or a process of the story of God. We talk about God's creation and we come and there's a call to worship. We sing, oh, great is our God, a reminder of who we're coming before. And then we enter into a time of confession where we recognize the sinfulness and the brokenness that we not only live in and receive and experience, but also contribute to in our own hearts. And that, again, this assumption here is that kindness is not something that at the end of the day, at the very smallest level that we will choose on our own. All right. Kind of big theology idea is the fallen condition. Right, that because we have turned away from God, because as uh, Kira, my wife, um, read, she said, you know, she quoted from Isaiah 53, right, we all like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. Right, so at the end of the day, kindness is not just what we choose on our own. And yet we see this is a part of what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be God's people, is to walk in kindness, all right? So we're gonna dive into that a little bit. What do we do? Well, we'll, we see that this call is not just try harder, dig down, grit your teeth, be kind, right? But is to put off as well. There's a call to walk away from, to move away from what we would otherwise naturally do. So picking up with me right away in verse 31, let All bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Okay, there are six there. I think I counted right. Six things in this one verse to put off. Right? So if, again, you're driving in traffic, you see something or you see this be kind, whatever it is, and it's all over the place. Now that you know, you're going to see it everywhere. And again, hopefully you can get a Ben's Bells. How it works is you're just, they they get hidden all throughout Tucson. I forgot to mention that. Or or Phoenix, as we found out. And they're just kind of hung up and there's a note that says, this is, and explains what it is. And it basically says, take this with you and now let it be a reminder to be kind to extend kindness toward others. And so if you find one, um, take it. You're not stealing, right? If it's off my front door, it is. Okay, so don't do that, please. But if it's just hanging somewhere out in public, then that's what you're meant to do. But you see this, and, and, and it's, you don't just start like, okay, just be kind, right? Like, how hard is it? Just stop being mean and be kind, right? There's Well, first, there's, these, there's this, this um, whole category of unkindness explained there, right? bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Put those things off, right? Before just all of a sudden trying to be kind, there's this putting off, right? So there you go. Put it off. Stop being a jerk, right? Stop being mean. But but look with me for a minute, okay? Uh, Because there's something incredibly important here about the first word in this verse that assumes some things, As we talk about here, and we've been talking about the last couple weeks, it's not just try to be better, try to do harder, stop doing bad things, do good things, don't do the things in this category, do the things in this category, right? That leads to frustration. That is not the biblical message. That is not the way it works. There's a word there. The first word is what? What's the first word in verse 31? Let. Okay, that's a passive verb. It's the same as this. I'll go back. I don't even have it up here on the screen, but I will read or you can look along with me in verse 23. It says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So there's this action, there's this exhortation that God is calling for his people, but it's not just saying um, apart from God, do it, try harder, do better. It's this understanding that it's something that God does to us. Okay, it's a result of God's initiation of God's first cause, if you will, right? You put something into motion, any f- physics people, majors, and I'm speaking way out of my uh, expertise here, but right, you something has a first cause and it begins and then it unravels and unfolds. Well, letting all bitterness, malice, clamor, um, you know, anger, slander, all these things come, come off of us is something that we don't just start with. It's a, it's a reaction to God's first action, Okay, so hear me now, right now, because this is really important as we move on, because again, this will lead to incredible frustration if it, like it has for me of I'm trying, I'm trying really hard here. God, I'm trying to make you happy. I'm trying to not do the bad things. I'm trying to do the good things, but man, it's really tough. And, and, and God's call, his exhortation, hear me, always first assumes a transformation that takes place at a heart level In response to the good news of what Jesus has first done. Okay, again, it it, it assumes any charge, any command first assumes that God has entered in and turned a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Okay, that, 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 that the story goes that, that God sees us in our brokenness. Again, that he is great and we have turned and wandered. We all like sheep have gone astray each to his own way. And then, and then God enters into our brokenness. God the Son, Jesus, puts on flesh and comes into our world of brokenness. His, he takes the initiation. He incarnates. He puts on flesh. And then he lives uh, among us. And then he, he, he sacrifices himself on the cross, not in response to our goodness or our asking him to do it. In fact, the exact opposite Uh, against us. In spite of us, he lays his life down as a sacrifice for our sin. And then the father raises him through the spirit from the dead. And then from there now, he is forming a people, calling a people to himself. He first initiates and then he uh, calls us to himself and shapes us. And, And through that, through faith in him, we go from death to life. Okay, are, are you guys tracking? Because, again, that's so important because if we don't have that, if we don't understand that, that, that this call to be kind is in response, okay, hear me, to God's kindness toward us, that, then we're, we're never going to get there. We're going to constantly try and fall, try and fall, try and fall. And it leads to frustration. And sadly, in some cases, like, never mind, I'm out. This thing doesn't work. Okay, so God's call, his assumption is that we are, have transformed hearts responding to his kindness toward us in and through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then from there, we can now go on and live transformed lives. Okay, the renewing of our minds, the renewing of our spirit through his work in us. Okay, the, his, uh, uh, a response to what he has already done in us. And now he calls to see lived out through us, okay? So now look with me. So what does this mean? We're gonna get even more practical as we go. Let, how much what, How much of the bitterness, slander, wrath, how, how much of it? All, okay, you can look at your name and say all. All, okay, what this means is, um, and again, just like last week and the time before that, I, this has been a struggle for me this week because God has revealed how unkind I am. <laughs> in a lot of ways. So many things that I assume is like, hey, it's just who I am, right? I'm Irish, Scottish, I'm, I'm, I'm short and stocky, so I'm gonna have kind of a grumpy fighter demeanor. It's just how God made me, right? It's whatever, like, it's just who I am. And, and how much I dismiss my sin That God is calling to to be changed and transformed in my heart, to be lived out, and I just dismiss it and think, well, no, this is my little pet sin over here that I can just excuse away and just kind of assume. Hey, it's just how I am, right? Whatever. I'm, I'm... italian we 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 uh when we all get together and we cook in the kitchen we just gossip that's what we do right so hey it's well no that uh, coming against scripture i could pick on other demographics here but right it's like we assume these things that's just what i who, who i am that's what i do but no let all let this all be 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 removed be 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 cut out from us Okay, so again, hear me here. God loves you too much to let any even seemingly small semblance of sin, of brokenness, of not God be held on and just assumed in your everyday life. He loves you too much. He's so radically committed. He is so radically committed to you and to his promise, to what he has begun in you to see come to full fruition, that you are growing into Christ-likeness, the very image of Christ, a, a sweet aroma that every part of your life, every thought, every word, every action, he's so committed that he calls for every semblance of sin, of unkindness, to be weeded out from you. But again, now, if we just go there, okay, we're gonna do a little back and forth here the whole time. If we just sit there and we say, okay, malice, all right. I don't even fully know what that means. I'm gonna look it up and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna weed that out of my life. Or some of you guys know some of my own story here, right? Anger, wrath, clamor, bitterness. We just focus on that. It's gonna lead to incredible frustration. Okay, again, this week even, God has revealed so many aspects of my own life. It's like these glaring, these things just calling at me, like just, just like these lights flashing, like that's unkindness. That's, I just, yesterday morning, well, it's hard to think is, you know, we like a little more space from our sin, right? There's a little, like, yesterday morning, uh, some of us were up on Mount Lemon camping and someone gave me, like, lovingly made a, some decaf coffee, because I'm weird and drink decaf, and yes, everyone makes fun of me, and whatever. Usually Christians, by the way, it's funny. Okay, we talk about addiction, um, okay, Christians, all right, I get mocked for drinking decaf in Christian circles more than anywhere else, so... There you go, think about that a little bit um, right? we don 't talk about it. Right? We, we tend to choose the things that we don 't struggle with and kind of put those as the sins we want to attack right Christians right? Yeah, we need to kind of kind of take in the whole counsel of God anyway, um, I digress. <laughs> So I spilled a bunch of it on my foot. It got into my shoe, burned my foot. I may or may not have taken my shoe off and then slammed the shoe on the table and someone heard the noise like, what was that? And I was like, yeah, I just hit the table uh, with a shoe this time, not my hand. And so, but it's like, it has been just in my face and it can be so exhausting if you just focus in on whatever kind of struggle it might be. If it's in a vacuum apart from the person and work of Jesus. Okay, John chapter 15, I'm, again, I'm not going to have us necessarily turn there, but it's where, it's where we see this image of a fruit that comes right from a tree that is firmly planted. And it's this idea that as you are firmly planted on the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, his grace, his undeserved favor poured out on you That as that happens as you are rooted and grounded in that okay think again not just like the beginning of like walking up a couple stairs and that what I just shared the gospel is like step one step two step three and now you've been at this a little while you should be beyond that right that's how we tend to think about it but that's not a helpful image the better image is like the hub of a wheel Okay, you never get away from it. The gospel, the far-reaching, all-of-life implications of the life, death, resurrection, ascension, rule and reign, and promised return of Jesus is at the center. You never get away from it, whether you're at day one or day one million, right? A couple of you, that's an encouragement for you, right? In your faith, in your walking with Jesus, you never get away from the gospel, Okay, and so what this means is that the fruit, okay, kindness, love, forgiveness, is not something you and I can, right, you can't break off a branch and then just walk around with it and then be like, why isn't this thing producing apples, right, and that's yet how we tend to go about things like this, be kind, all right, where's, no, you, you consider, okay, is this, is this branch firmly rooted in the gospel, is my effort toward kindness firmly, firmly planted, fully dependent on God's kindness toward me, okay? And so you see here that, that this, this call, again, assumes a transformed heart by the good news of Jesus, okay? And so as we talk about going forward and living this out and being kind, and, and this is not just a light switch we can turn on and off. Okay, so, what do you do with this? What's the action point? Okay, be kind. All right, you're in a moment, whatever it is, you know your life better than me. Okay, whatever it is where kindness is challenged, is difficult, is a struggle, where forgiveness is so hard to extend towards someone else, what do you do? Man, this person's really hard to forgive. I just, you know, try harder and you like break a blood vessel. Some of us like metaphorically do that, right? Just try and struggling. No. You, you don't focus on that. You, you, you dip into, God, thank you for forgiving me. God, thank you for forgiving my lack of forgiveness. God, thank you that you are so kind toward me that even in my moments of absolute unkindness, even when I struggle, even in this moment right now, Christ died for me. Okay, we're told in Romans 8, 5 that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. In that moment. Okay, so what does it look like for us to, 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 to pile the gospel on one another? To remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus. It means as quick as we can, and this has been a growing process, in the moment where we remember, right, we confess our sins, right, James 5, 6, 16, confess your sins and pray for one another. As quickly as the Spirit brings it to mind, whether we're married, we're, we have roommates, in our workplace, whatever, we confess our sin and we remind one another. We remind one another of the good news of Jesus, of what, what, what kindness looks like, of what forgiveness looks like, of what undeserved favor looks like, first from him toward us. Okay, now before I get into the really practical, like what does this actually look like, let me, let me ask you this. Okay, do you understand... God's incredible kindness toward you? Do you understand the full reality of God's forgiveness of you? Okay, because again, before we move on, if we just assume that and we don't really sit there, then we're gonna, we're gonna continue to pile on frustration. Okay, we're gonna try to be more like Christ rather than responding to Christ and his work in our lives. Okay so so again I want to ask you do you understand how radically God loves you? Okay think of your worst moment. Not 3 days after you committed some sin and you feel like you've atoned for it in some way, right? You've gone to a little a, a worship session, you 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 know what we do silly things. For me sometimes like man I'm not gonna listen to sports talk r- radio all day. I'm just gonna pray. Cause that's gonna kinda speed up the process of God now delighting in me a little more. Cause he, he forgets, you know, I'll, I'll kinda make him forget what I did back then. Right, is that not, any, am I all alone here? Is that not sometimes how we operate? But in that moment, right after whatever it is that you think surely God doesn't accept me right now. That in that moment you remember God looks at you and says that is a terrible, ugly, despicable sin and it deserves my wrath. And if we look at um, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 where Jesus is talking, you can see God does not dismiss sin. He looks at that and says in your heart, in your mind, out of your mouth. It is the same whether you act on it or you conceive of it. It is, it is terrible, it is wicked, it deserves God's wrath. And in that moment, Jesus says, I died for you. He says, I love you. He says, you don't deserve my kindness, but I pour it out on you. And then as we understand that more, that now empowers us Okay, to live the life God is calling us to 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 bring about a kindness in our lives that will even surprise us all right that we could never produce on our own so now, w- what does this look like? okay so be kind because of god 's kindness toward you but but what does that really look like? What does that practically look like let 's walk through a f- I think it 's five or so kind of categories of what god's forgiveness and god's kindness looks like okay again just looking with me there in, in verse 32 be kind to one another okay and then down in the second part as god and christ forgave you and then we see the same thing in verse two walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us right so again you see he's the first cause now you go and do likewise so, very practically, what, is it, what does that look like? Okay, well, the, 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 the rest of these four verses is more filled in with some of the specifics of that. So, that's what we're going to walk through here. Okay, be kind to one another, tender hearted. What does it look like to be tender hearted toward someone else? Okay, to be tender hearted means that you also have a thick skin. All right, so, so again, think with me here. Now, now, now track with me. God's heart toward us, God's kindness toward us, he's tenderhearted toward us. What does that mean? Does it always mean when it's reciprocated, when it's, when it's w- w- well-deserved, when God's like, hey, um, I'm gonna pour my heart out toward you, but, but, but you've gotta handle it well. Okay, no, this is an example of, again, God, Jesus wept. Jesus loved deeply. And yet, he was mocked and turned away from as he hung on the cross for the very people he was dying for. Okay, so for us what this means to be tender-hearted means again that our hearts, okay hear me, are so secure in God's hands. It doesn't mean we don't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't bleed. It doesn't mean we don't struggle. All right, but it means that that our hearts are so firmly grounded in God's hands that his love, that his, his 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 care for our hearts is so secure that we are now able to give of ourselves for someone else. Okay, that we're now able to love our, our kids, our neighbor, our coworker, someone who we're in an exchange with in some way across a c- counter or over the phone or whatever that we're able to have our hearts now poured out in such a way because we understand that they're so secure in God's hands because of his work and his love for us that we're now able to give even when it seemingly isn't safe, okay? To be tender-hearted. And then the next aspect of God's kindness and forgiveness toward us is this. It means you don't diminish the sin, okay? But you call it what it is and you name it specifically. All right, again, now we're getting really practical. Again, think about your relationships. Okay, you, you think about how quickly someone sins against you, someone offends you, and you're angry deep in here somewhere, right? In your guts, you're like, you're frustrated, you're, and, and you have all kinds of names for it, but then when it's finally brought in to the light, you diminish it. Well, whatever. You, whether it's sins that you or I commit, right? I slipped up. Hey, I'm sorry I was kind of grumpy. That's something I often say, like, hey, I was, sorry I was grumpy. No, we could get a little more specific than that, right? That sounds like cute and cuddly, grumpy, right? Like we could get really specific with what that actually looks like. God does that. Again, when he's talking about sin, he doesn't say you slipped up. Okay, he says you brood of vipers. He, he says you, 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 you lusted after a woman in your, in your heart. It's just like you gave, you had adultery with her. Can He doesn't just kind of church it up. And so as we call out our own sin that we commit or sins that are committed against us in order to genuinely be kind and to genuinely forgive, it means that the light of the gospel is shown on it and that we speak about sin like God does. And we use the ugly terms that it needs to have used. Okay, That, That we call it out. That God never diminishes the sin. And this is so hard. Okay, think about it. It's going to get harder before it gets easier in a lot of ways. But it means we we, we call it out so that it can be brought before the cross. Honestly, authentically, what it really is, what really happened. And then kind of to build on top of that, sin is always dealt with. Okay, again, God never just leaves it out there and just leaves it out there to kind of float around. He calls it out. Again, just like that verse that we read in Isaiah chapter 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. And then the next part of that, but on him, God has laid the iniquity of us all. The transgressions, the specific ugly sins that need to be called out and named and then piled on Jesus. That when he died on the cross, you you don't just say, hey God, sorry I was kind of grumpy today. God, I'm sorry that in this moment, I hated the wife that you provided for me. God, I'm sorry that, that my, my heart is so ungrateful that I cursed you and I cursed your people that you provided to, to surround me, and, and I'm sorry. And that's genuinely what I have done in this moment. I'm sorry that I have been so angry with you that, that, I, that I, I was bitter, Towards you, I'm, I, 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 In my heart, in my words, I called you all kinds of names, and I, I turned my nose up at your provision. That's evil. That's wicked. Again, read through the Old Testament. I'm in Isaiah right now, and you just see what God thinks about the wandering hearts of his people. <laughs> it's significant. And when we call that and we name it, and then that helps produce a worship within us that we see, but man, God, in that moment, you died for me. You you sent your son for me. And as we do that and we understand that toward us, we can now almost counter, almost miraculously, okay, give that toward one another. That's what it means to forgive and to be kind toward one another as God has in Christ forgiven us and as God has through Christ shown his love toward us is we call it and we understand it has been dealt with. Okay, and then we continue on here, and we know the cost. Again, it goes on that God knows the cost. That when God loves you, okay, again, hear me. God is not like hoodwinked. He's not like, oh, shoot, I didn't know this was going to happen. Or sometimes people talk about that. When, when he sent his son Jesus, sometimes we talk about Good Friday and Easter as if like God was like, like sucker punched. Like, oh, man, I didn't realize this was going to happen. I got in way over my head here. Like, he's got to really die? What, what in the world? And, and we know God knew the cost. He demonstrates his love in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came fully knowing what he, was, what he had come to do. Okay, at the, the moment of most great desperation in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus was arrested and then crucified, he calls out, and he's even having this reminder of why he came. Okay, he always knows the cost. And, and just again, as we get really practical, okay, look at me when you genuinely live out of the gospel and you extend kindness and forgiveness toward others in your life, it often will come at great cost. Okay. That's just a promise. It's gonna, there's going to be times where everything in you wants justice. You want to be understood. You want to get the last word. You want that person to, to finally come around and submit, right? To kind of uncle to like, you're right. You're right. You had it all right along. I misunderstood you. I was wrong. I was judgmental. You were right. I'm not, what's the other, I forget what movie it's from. Like you're very good looking. I'm not happy Gilmore. There it is. Um, And some of you know, I know like five movies and they're all from that genre. And that's like 90% of my vocabulary comes from that. Okay, Tommy Boy, Happy Gilmore, that genre. That's me right there. That's my wheelhouse. Um, Seminary, not so much. I don't tap into that. Those movies all the time. But anyway, right, it's like we get there, but no, it's like you understand the the weight and the cost, and you find and you come there and you might not be forgiven, but again, you understand, wow, God knowing the cost, God knowing that 2,050 years from now, I would do this despicable thing, and He still chose to die for me in order to make me his son or daughter. So knowing the cost, and then Finally, and this isn't an exhaustive list, but finally, God's forgiveness is final. Again, God's forgiveness is final. So first start with how you think God views you. Okay, before we get to how you view others and how we relate with one another, remember it's always tethered to God's love for us. It's final. Whatever it is, whatever you did last week, whatever you did last night, Whatever you did when you were a child and now you're in your 40s and you still hang on to. I'm walking through this with my own kids right now. My 11-year-old kids, just we get so wrapped up in surely God's still holding that over my head. Hey, have have you prayed about that? Have you taken that before the cross? Have you confessed that sin and then thanked God for his forgiveness of it? Yeah, I have done that. Then here's what God says about this. I, I do have this Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How far is the east from the west? It'll never come back. That's how far God forgives you of your sin. Again, think right now in this moment. Go before God in this moment. Understand how much does God forgive you? That much. That much. That much okay, hey, look at the cross. Jesus's arms stretched out as far as the east is from the west. You have been fully forgiven. He doesn't hold that over your head. And yet again, are you, hear me now, we struggle to fully forgive one another because we think that's how God views us. And so we think that's how we have to relate with one another. All right, we think, well, God still is keeping this chart and at some point it's going to run out and he's never going to, he's going to finally say, hey, enough's enough. All right, I'm done with you. Never mind, that cross doesn't apply to you. And we think that and we struggle with that. And that's why coming around full circle with one another, we tend to say, okay, hey, it's all cool, right? And then again, going back around full circle, we don't truly deal with sin. We diminish it. But when we do that, it's because we're keeping a, a chart here. Hey, whatever, it's n- n- no big deal. But then when it comes up again, hey, hey, remember this? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that too, and now it's going to blow up even more, right? So, so, so when we fully understand God's love toward us and his forgiveness toward us, that it's as far as the east is from the west, then we're able to extend that kind of love and kindness toward one another. So in closing, this whole section here, beginning in chapter 4, why? What's the whole point? Okay, remember that individually in your life and in us as a church together, God is displaying his character, his glory, his might, his power, his love, his forgiveness, his kindness in and through you and me. Okay, John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer that, they, that, that Jesus is praying himself to the Father and he says um, that, that they would be known by their love for one another, that as people see their love for each other, they would know that they are mine. The world would know that they are mine, that God is grandstanding through us. I know it's a crazy plan and yet that's what he's chosen to do. And it's built on, it's predicated upon the foundation, upon the assumption, upon the the necessary truth that first God has shown his kindness toward us. God has forgiven us. And so now in response to that, he says, go and be kind. Love one another. Forgive one another as God in Christ has loved and forgiven you. All right, Let's pray together. Again, Father, thank you for your Love for us shown in Jesus. Lord, we confess that we are a sinful people that as Isaiah says in chapter 6, he confesses his own brokenness and yet still he responds to you, to your cleansing work, to your forgiveness of him, to your kindness toward him. So Lord, I pray that we wouldn't leave here with some kind of try harder, do better. I should be better. I should be more kind. I should forgive more. I should do this and should not do that. Lord, that's what we're prone to do. But I pray that we would constantly come back, moment by moment, day by day, Sunday by Sunday, be reminded of your goodness, Lord, of our sin and of your forgiveness. Lord, that we would confess And then, Lord, we would be assured of your good news toward us. And, Lord, that we would live that out. Lord, that we would be kind, that we would be forgiving, that we would be loving. Even now, in our time of response, responding to your kindness, your love, your forgiveness toward us. In Jesus, amen.